Welcome to the Terrible Outdoorsman Podcast. Got Ryan Collin, your host. Bob Collin, yo, 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 what up for show? Hey, how you doing? Jimmy Dolmage. Hey, you got Daniel Sun. What's up, boys? Hey. Um, Don't forget about Jason. And tuning in from <laughs> a bunker in an undisclosed location, Captain JG still calling in from Midland. I had a line and like oh, just no. Dan ruined it. Whatever. I'll Sorry. save it for the next episode. So. I ruined it. I like the bunker from Michigan I know, somewhere. I know. <laughs> undisclosed location. You did pause and I thought you were going to forget him. I'm like, oh, no. No, no, no. I was, like, I was literally taking like a breath and Dan <laughs> just like ruined it for me. So what's up, boys? Uh, not a whole lot. What's going on? Oh, man. Hanging out, being cool. Yeah. You know me. So um, we have um, our biggest episode to date. We've kind of teased it uh, the last couple days on social media. Um, we have, uh, for Bob and I, this is um, like our, I guess, our number one in the fishing world. Uh, we've been watching him for a long time. The man, the myth, the legend. Yes. Um, the, and we kind of got um, him introduced to the rest of the guys here. Now they all watch him and they're all hooked on it. So... Um, we have Mike Keys from Keys Outdoors on the line. What's up, Mike? How's it going, guys? Man, we are excited as hell to have you on. Again, well, I appreciate it, man. I, you guys are doing a wonderful job with your podcast, man. It's um, <laughs> it, it, we're doing something with it. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> doesn't doesn't it have like a really cool ring to it? Hearing Mike Keys, it, it's that. it's something it to, does. To, to hear Mike Key say that, that's awesome. So I, I can't I got, thank you enough for, for jumping on. Um, you know, when Dan said that, uh, told me that he had uh, reached out to you and, and, and actually got a hold of you and you were going to come on, I, would, I totally thought he was bullshitting me. He's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> like, like April Fool's, like, come on, man. Like, shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's awesome that you're, that you're jumping on. Like I said, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's that time of the year, man. The shows are starting, podcasts are all over, and uh, yeah, we're getting ready. I can't wait, man. Spring's right around the corner. Yeah, this is the time when you actually have time to talk to people like us. <laughs> when yeah, yeah, no, otherwise I'm fishing, dude. Yeah, yeah. it's it's we're gone. Yeah. Well, cool. So let's, um, I guess we'll just start off. Let's, let's get right into Mike Keys and, uh, let's let, obviously Bob and I know who you are, but let's let the listeners know like who, who Mike Keys is. Well, I've, uh, I've been in the industry. I started out, um, 23 years ago and, uh, been in the industry. And when I first started 23 years ago, I did 26, you know, back then there was no internet. So it was the way if you wanted to reach the outdoors, it was radio, it was television, magazines, and trade shows. That was it. And so, you know, what we did is what I did is um, I was in the manufacturing uh, of hunting products. That's truly my passion. I'm a big-time bow hunter. I absolutely love it. And um, so I started out 23 years ago doing a multi-species outdoor show. And I started just locally um, on a network in central Wisconsin, and I did that for two years. Um, and then um, the cable thing started to take off, and people were getting cable, and finally, you know, <laughs> that's just how crazy it was. It was it was starting to happen. So then what happened was, is our cable provider actually, for the state of Wisconsin, started their own, like, outdoor network, and I got on there for two years. And in those four years, two years locally and then two years statewide, 
I kept submitting a pilot to Fox um, North. And Fox North is based out of Minneapolis, and it covers uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, um, and Minnesota and Wisconsin, and a little bit of the UP. And so it was, you know, because back then, it wasn't like you could just start a YouTube channel. It was, they owned everything. So, I mean, you had to live up to a certain standard. Um, so you had to submit pilots of your show. And finally, going into my fourth year, um, they said, you know, hey, we, we got an opening and we would like you to come aboard. And I've been with them ever since. So, um, so yeah, it was different. Like I said, you know, the guys starting out nowadays, you know, have so much more um, ways of, of getting an audience. Back then, it was pretty limited and everything was shot on film. But uh yeah, I got into it. It was kind of weird how I got into it because I never really wanted to get into it. I was a manufacturer of hunting products and I designed a bunch of bow hunting equipment. So I started while I was manufacturing, I started filming my own hunts um, to show my products on how they would help the hunter who bought, you know, my products. And so I had the video to prove it that I would play at trade shows. Again, no Internet. And I would send DVDs out to people and they could see the product line. And so over a couple of years of doing that, I accumulated some really super cool kills on film. And so a guy who I knew came to me and said, hey, I'm going to submit a pilot. I want to start a TV series and I want to start a pilot. Can I use a bunch of your footage for the pilot? He didn't even have a camera. And I was like, yeah. So he hired an editing company out of Madison, Wisconsin. They put the pilot. Fox accepted them. So this is, you know, again, I'm not even in the, the field yet. So then he called me up. He was all jacked up. And he's like, hey, dude, they're going to go with the series. And it was very well done. And uh, he said to me, he goes, hey, I'm going to Canada on a bear hunt. He goes, why don't you come up there and film me? Um, I'll pay all of your expenses and I'll buy you a bear hunt because we'll get my bear on film and then we'll get you shooting a bear, go up there, get two bears uh, kills on film, come back and that will be our first episode that they're going to launch. So I go up there and I, I get him, took him like four days and he ended up finally smoking this 450 pound cinnamon oh, wow. and got the shot right over his shoulder. It was so badass. Mm. It was super cool. And so now it's my turn to hunt. And he looked at me and he says, dude, I really don't have the money for your hunt. And, <laughs> what? and I was like, you know, yeah, well, so, you know, and, and I got it at the time I did. I started my own company. I, you know, built it. I know that money's tight. I was like, that's fine, man. I, get me on the rebound. We got a really cool kill on film. We drive back to Wisconsin from Manitoba or Saskatchewan with this bear in the back. We come into Milwaukee. He pulls into a taxidermy shop, gives him his bear, and counts out $1,800 for a full bear mount. My hunt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Come on. <laughs> right in front of me, man. Did you say, Mike, Mike, did you say he is your friend or he was <laughs> yeah. your friend? Uh, yeah, it uh, was. Okay. Well, we got, we, we got our first terrible story. We're five minutes. That's in. right. I like it. Yeah. Well, this this is how it all 
everything happens for a reason. <laughs> and so we get back, he calls me up and he says, Hey, I got to get that footage of my bear. And I says, what footage? And he goes, my footage. And I says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have no footage. And he goes, Mike, it, it was my cameras, everything. And uh, I says, no, Greg, I says, I'm not giving your footage back to you. Well, then he gets a lawyer on me and the lawyer calls me up and says, you have footage of my client. And I says, well, did your client ever hire me? Do I have a 1099 form somewhere? I'm a freelance video guy, dude. That's my footage until you buy it. Oh. You know, and so he tried that. And then finally we got into an argument. And back then there was no cell phone. So we were on a landline. My wife was sitting there. I'm in my kitchen. We're screaming at each other. <laughs> and uh, he says, what are you going to do with the footage, Mike? And just being a smart ass that I am, the thing just hit me right away. And I said, I don't know, maybe I'll start my own TV show. And he goes, you know, that. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, yeah, well, your mom's fat. You know, I just threw it out there. Okay. Now it's like, it's out there. Okay. And he says to me, he goes, true story. He says to me, he goes, you don't have what it takes to be on TV. I slammed the phone down. I looked at my wife and I said, we're going into the TV business. <laughs> And here I am, Hell 23 yeah. wow. years later. What, a, what an intro. And that bear kill, that bear kill, I used it on the opening of that first year's show every week. <laughs> yes, and I showed sir. it twice, one in slow motion. I love it so <laughs> every, much. Every week. That's so great. I need to see it. Yeah, can, is this footage is this still like, out, there? out there? What's that? Is that footage still out there? It, no, we're doing that right now. In fact, as you guys are speaking, I am in the process of <laughs> we are going back um, to the beginning. Everything was on tape. So we're converting it now onto digital, Okay, which is super time consuming because yeah. if the show's a half an hour, it's a half an hour to, to yeah. duplicate that show and then convert it back into the DV format that needed to be. But yeah, in fact, I'm as I'm working on my computer for editing, I've got another computer set up just for that. And it's kind of distracting because all of a sudden I'm like, I'll be working and then I'll stop and I'll watch like from 2000. I'm like, oh my God, we look like we were kids, man. What What is this? And then I end up watching the show. It's like, this aired 20 years ago and I, I couldn't get away from it. It was, it's really cool. So. But that's, that's how I got started. So then I so back went then out it was just hunting, right? It was just ba stri strictly hunting. Were no, you doing I, any I fishing? Did, I did fishing back then too. Um, but at that point, I wasn't a fisherman. Um, I ran camera. So the whole concept of the show back in that day was I would go out with a guide. I would go out with a professional fisherman. I'd go out with just a local dude who was really good at fishing. And I would tell their story. So I would sit there and film. And then what happened, how I got hooked into the muskie is four years or two years into, so 2002, 2003, somewhere around there, I was filming a North Dakota um, ice fishing trip that uh, with Larry Smith at the time. And we were out there. He has his own show now. And uh, we're out in North Dakota, and this old-timer was sitting there, and he goes, hey, he says, have you ever filmed muskie? And I says, I never have. And he goes, I got these two brothers from uh, Wisconsin 
that they're just nuts about muskies. And if you want, I could give them your number and you maybe you guys go out and film something. So I did. And um, it's funny because I'm doing a show, my ninth episode, Steve Jensen and I got back together. We were able to get back together in the boat this year because our schedules work. And it's been 10 years since I filmed with him. And them were the guys that he introduced me to was Eric and Steve Jensen. And so they got me hooked. And again, at that time, I just filmed and the biggest mistake they made was giving me and putting instead of the camera, putting a rod in my hand. And so then it was like, okay, I'm now hooked. And why I gravitated towards musky fishing is because it's so similar to deer hunting. You're hunting for a trophy. You're hunting for a very, very big fish, um, a smart fish. And that's, it appealed to me because it's the same strategy basically as bow hunting a big white-tailed deer. It's where would they be? Why would they be there? What are they eating? You know what I mean? What is, you know, there's so many elements that go into it that, you know, this is the funniest thing. And I tell people this in all of my, I mean, we're talking hundreds, you know, for 10 years, I did 26 shows. So that's 260 shows right there. Then go forward, we switch to a 13-week format. So all of those shows, looking back, the longest musky fight ever that I've filmed was less than two minutes. When you think about that, Mm -hmm. all right? So hours upon hours upon days of fishing for two minutes, okay? I mean, all right, let's be real, guys. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like, you know... That can go, it just, it blows your mind, but it's, it's, the thing is, is that two minutes is so intriguing and it's like putting the pieces of the puzzle. So the rest of it, that two minutes is two minutes. It's everything else that leads up to it. It's, we figured it out. We know where they are. They're getting squirrely. Now they're biting. You know, it's all of that. That's what I absolutely love about musky fishing is really the figuring out the, the, the catch is only two minutes to a minute. Right. The rest of it is what I love about it. That's right. When you when you see a big buck, like how long does that last? 30 seconds maybe? Maybe, maybe yeah. Exactly. Sometimes, yeah. Right. I, I shot a, my biggest buck this year, and, I mean, the, the whole encounter might have been 30 seconds. Felt like it was five seconds, but it might have been 30 seconds the entire thing. But I sat there. Right. And I hunted probably a dozen times and didn't see a damn thing. Until I finally like that 30 seconds and it was worth every second. It's like musky fishing though. Like I can't tell you how many times we've been out and we didn't even see a fish, but then you go out and you tie into one, it makes it all worth it. Right. You're going out there, you're going out there for one bite. You know what I'm saying? It's not the, it's not necessarily like numbers of fish or anything like that. Like, and it's the same way with hunting. You're hunting hunting that one buck or whatever it might be. And I've equated that. A lot of people have said the same thing to me before. Like, why do you, why do you fish for musky? You can't, you don't eat them, you know, and like, yeah, you don't get it. And trying to explain it would be too difficult. But it, it's exactly that. Yeah. It's it's the hunt for it. It's it's yeah. everything that goes into it for one bite. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, exactly. You know, and and that's the thing is, you know, um, it makes you think. And it is uh, definitely it's a game of chess, and you got to figure out the next move. And uh, that's what I I really love about it. So and what you described, Mike. Um, it reminds me of a quote that I came across back when I was an undergrad, uh, like 10 to 15 years ago. And it says, 
the charm of fishing is that it is the pursuit of what is elusive but attainable, a perpetual series of occasions for hope. And that I think we can all agree is why we have such a passion for fishing. It's kind of summed up in that phrase of what you just described. Who wrote that? That's, that's really good. The person yeah. that wrote it, his name is John. It's either, it's B-U-C-H-A-N. I don't know if it's Buchan, but yeah, that's okay. that's a quote yeah. that I, I came across and I really like. And I think it essentially, yeah, sums hey. up what you just described in detail. Right. Nicely done, hey, Jason. If you, wow. <laughs> that would be per, you know, the, the intro, the intro for uh, most of, uh, uh, keys outdoors webs or their episodes <laughs> he's always got like some kind of like little quote little thing yeah. at the beginning that'd be perfect mike <laughs> something like that yeah, without without, without trademark <laughs> infringement of course so yeah, yeah. let's stay away from that okay <laughs> yeah uh, when he said john out, right away my eyes got big i was gonna say well, i can't use that quote <laughs> <laughs> yeah i heard the first name john john and i'm like oh don't say that last name don't say that last name <laughs> <laughs> I got nervous there. <laughs> <laughs> so besides hunting and fishing, uh, do you have any other hobbies that you uh, you like to do outside of, oh yeah, like I said, outside of hunting and fishing? Yeah, I'm, I'm a curler. Really? Wow. No, nice. not really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are the first curler you've ever met in my life. We're you. all like silent, like, oh, tell us more, please. We're, we're all kind of, it would be cool. We're all kind of looking. Cool, but there's no way that I'm sweeping that long. <laughs> you had our attention. We're, we're, all, we're all looking at each other like, really? <laughs> it, it took me a second to, to, to kind of uh, we're all like, to process that, too. I was like, yeah. curling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't really. I mean, this, um, you know, I look at it this way. If I wasn't doing what I do and getting paid for it, I'd still be doing it. Yeah, It's, this is what I do. So, you know, I'm not into cars. I'm not into, you know, this, it's just the outdoors for me. Um, so it's, and it's everything. It, it's, I love to hunt. I love to bow hunt. I love to fish. I love to camp. Uh, um, I'm a big outdoors guy. I mean, I was, my nephew and I, many, many moons ago, when we got out of high school, we were going to walk the Pacific Crest Trail. Hmm. And so we had it all planned out. Um, it would be six months, 21 food drops. We were going to do the whole thing. And I went to a party and fell in love with a, with my wife now. And uh, he never forgave me for that. <laughs> we were we were like a couple months away from going. Hmm. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, that's cool. I always like adventure. Yeah, I, I hitchhiked to Alaska um, when I was twenty years old, and I went in the bush, and I lived uh, for uh, summer in one hundred fifty miles in the wilderness up there. So. I think that's that like, was pretty. I think that's the one thing I love about your show the most is that it's always an adventure. I mean, always. It's yeah. always just the coolest thing. Like, you watch some of these other musky shows or just fishing shows in general, and like, I don't know, like they're good shows, but like they look so staged sometimes. Like, like the well, old Bill Dance show where he's fishing in a pond with a stock bass. Like, it's just oh like, man, I love Bill Dance. Well, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I said, why? Like I watched it all growing up, but like. 
It just looks like, you know, they go out there and they catch like 15 muskie and they're wearing four different shirts and it's all like one day. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I'll, you guys aren't too far off from that. Um, and when I got involved in my, you know, filming, um, like I said, when I first started, I was the camera guy. So I did all the filming and produced it and just went out and filmed people and I had a sponsor uh, when I first started. It was my first real uh, rod and reel company, and I won't name names, but they told me to go to uh, Cass Lake, Minnesota, to film two very famous people, walleye guys, and do an episode. And back then, there was no cell phones, so we get in the boat, and they had a walkie-talkie on the dashboard, and it kept squawking, and it was the most annoying thing. And I said, can we shut that off? And they were like, no. And I says, what do you mean? He goes, well, we got other people fishing for us. So when they catch fish, they're going to run them to us. We're going to rehook them wow. and we're going to film them. Oh, man. And I was like, are you effing me, man, right now? I, I, I'm a young kid, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, oh, my God. And these are people I really looked up to. And so that night, well, then what happened is, is no one caught anything. We ended up catching a legitimate 27 and a half inch walleye filmed the whole thing. I'm just ecstatic. Like, Oh God, I, I remember to hit record. I got everything. You know what I mean? And you know, I'm new at this game. They pull it out, take a picture of it, put a different lure in the mouth, mm -hmm. change the angle of the boat, goes into his center rod locker, puts on a brand new hat, brand new shirt, takes a picture, kept rotating the boat, I watched that fish die, and when they got done with it, after they rehooked it four times with four different lures that showed up, by the way, on other magazines, they ended up just throwing the fish back in the water. Oh dead. My Didn't oh even. My eat. God. Oh my God. So we get back to we get back to the resort that night, and I'm just livid. I, it's like, no, dude, I'm a hard hardcore outdoors guy. This is not in my wheelhouse. And so we get back, I start packing up. Now, granted, this at the time is a really big sponsor for me. And we get back, I pack up all my stuff. I'm driving a Geo Metro, if that tells you anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I jump in my car. And as I'm getting there, the host of that show came up to me and said, where are you going? I said, I want no part of what I've seen today. Yeah. Nothing. I said, I'm not going to take part in this. He said, son, you're making a big mistake. He says, you either learn how the system works or you're going to be out. We went back that Monday or that night. I called up on my way back. I called up Larry Smith and I said, I need a show. I'm doing 26 episodes at that time of year. I need a show for next week. Larry says, meet me in Pete. Well, I tell him what's going on. He says, we'll get our show. I get back home. Monday comes. He fired me. The, the director of that company called me up and said that I embarrassed him beyond belief with these two people. Do you know who I'm effing with? <laughs> and I said to him, yeah, I'm, I'm effing with a bunch of crooks. And I says, and I want no part of it. Wow. And we went out and we slammed with Larry Smith, 14 walleyes, all 100% legit, caught the real way, the way it went down. And from that point, I said to myself as a filmmaker, that if I go fishing and I catch nothing, and that's what separates Keys Outdoors, I'm going to tell you, I fished 12 hours and seen nothing. Good and that you. is, I always say, 
don't think that your viewers are dumb because they're all outdoorsmen. They're not that dumb. They know what's going on. Right. And so that's what really set me on that course of being for real, doing a TV show that says, you know, dude, I've never claimed to say I'm the best because I'm not. There's guys that will beat my butt every day out fishing, but I'm an adventurer. And I'm going to tell you that no one's going to beat me on telling the story, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, the way it went down and keeping it real. And that's what's why we've been around for 23 years. Good for you. Yeah. I think that kind of speaks volumes to, you know, who you are. And I've had a, I've had a short stint of watching your episodes and watching your, you know, your, your footage and everything. And, you know, again, like you said, you, you do a really good job of telling that story. And I think that that just kind of speaks volumes to kind of what you guys are as a company and as a business. So I think that's, for you. I think that's exactly why, like your, your show is my, is my favorite musky show to watch. I've watched them all musky hunter and all the, all, all the other ones. And yeah. I can by far say that yours is the most authentic. Like I can, I can yeah. feel the frustration yeah. you know, as I'm watching this show. I can, I can, <laughs> I can see the grind and, and, yeah. and there are, there's days where you, 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 you say it right on the, you know, on the show, like eight hours will pass and, and we don't see another fish. And they're like, I've had lots, lots of those days. Yeah. And it's like, and there's no other show out there that does that there. No. It, it's, it's all catching fish or nothing, you know? And, <laughs> And that's what I like so much about your well, show. And that's it. And, and you know, and the guys that are really dialed into it and stuff, like I said, you know what I mean? They're really good at what they do. You know what I mean? And But we're not. I, I, I mean, am I – can I hold my own? I can hold my own for sure. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is that I don't want the younger generation getting into this sport thinking that, you know, look at – and let's take this for an a, a instance here, is the hunting industry. I know kids that a couple years back, I was filming one, and he let about a 125 on public land, 125 class buck go. And I'm kicking them to like, why are you not shooting? You've never shot a buck in your life. And I'm kicking him because I'm on top, you know what I mean? And he's <laughs> below me, I'm filming. So I'm kicking him in the back shoulder going, I'm filming. Go ahead. Why don't you take him? He let it walk. We got down on the stand that night. And I says, why didn't you shoot that buck? And he said to me, not big enough. <laughs> and I was like, what? And it was, they put this stigma in the hunting world that if it isn't a 150 class buck, it ain't nothing. And I watched kids get destroyed. That's why I catch a 38-inch fish. And I'm happy as hell. I'm pumped because I made just as many casts for that 38-inch fish than I did a 50-inch fish. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't want kids to think that, oh, I only caught a 38. That's not worthy. No, dude. It's a fish of 10,000 casts. If it's 38 inches or if it's 40 inches or if it's 50 inches, they're all worthy. And that's why I say they all smell alike. Yeah. They do. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because these guys make fun of me all the time for the size of the bluegill I caught one time and sent them a picture of it. So, I'm, glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Very well put, Mike. <laughs> we don't give you a hard time. I don't know what you're talking about. No, Jimmy. no, no. Shut up, Jimmy. <laughs> no, man. It, it, and, and I really believe that. I just want the. I want people to know that to catch a muskie is damn hard. 
Yeah. And so you threw a lot, you worked a lot for it, and you should be proud of that fish. Well, I can't, I mean, there's, there's been like episodes that you put out there where like you don't catch a fish in the entire episode. Like you see some fish, but like you look back at it and you're like, they didn't catch a single fish that episode, but it was still entertaining as hell. And like that should speak volumes. Oh, yeah. To yeah. the, the production of the show and the content of the show. Like you didn't catch a damn thing, but it was still like a great episode to watch, you know? You know, so speaking well, of your, yep. speaking of uh, your episodes and whatnot, um, one of our questions on here was uh, what what was one of your favorite episodes that you can remember making or launching? Oh boy! Um, you know, you've only made a couple. I, so. Yeah, only a couple. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a bunch. You know what I mean? I mean, I I like all of them to be honest with you, but. I mean, I would have to say that probably Utah, the Utah trip was very cool just because we are 5,000 feet up in the mountains um, camping for a week on an island on the middle of this lake and um, just waking up and sticking your head out of that tent every morning and you're in the mountains. And uh so that was an episode that I, I really, really liked. And uh, another one was uh, the Virginia shoot. Even though we only caught one fish, and I am planning on going back, is uh, Virginia was really cool with Sam Scott. A uh, hell of a fisherman. And just the, the scenery there through the mountains is, uh, again, you know, I, if I'm fishing, I want to be stimulated as far as visual goes. Nothing's worse than being out on the middle of St. Clair. It's like, okay, what? Or Green Bay. You know what I mean? You don't like like casting at the horizon? I'm just looking at water here. You know what I mean? I I like to be stimulated as far as forests, mountains, things of that. You know what I mean? And not knowing what's around the next bend is super cool. Yeah, that was your Tigers in Utah episode, right? Is that what the name of that one was? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The the one in Virginia was that the one where you guys were in the float tubes? No. Um. No. No. I've never was, been in a float tube. Oh, I thought you were in uh, like a float tube going down in Virginia or Tennessee. Maybe it wasn't. Um. No, we were in. Uh, we were in a drift boat. Or maybe it was a drift boat. Okay. Maybe I was thinking it was yeah, a float tube. Yeah. We were in a drift boat with with uh, Sam Scott and. Um, that was a great episode. We, you know, we didn't catch a lot of fish. And unfortunately, you know, he could only fish for a couple days. That's, he's so busy as a guide because he is that good um, that we could only film with him a couple days. And uh, you've got to be dialed in and know the river there. Um, so it's not like we could have went, fished with him, and then stayed and did our own thing because um, we just don't know the river. Um, but that was a really cool episode. Um, I filmed in Central America. That was uh, that was back in the day when I was doing multi-species. Uh, that was a really – I did that twice, um, and um, that was super cool. That was, uh, you know, going to a third-world country and, and filming, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think um, there's, there's something to be said about the scenery. Like, don't get me wrong, St. Clair is a world-class fishery. But, like, man, I hate being out there, and it's just you're casting into nothing. You've just got water yeah. in, in, in every direction that you see. Like, again, you can catch a giant out there, and that's great. But, like, 
Bob and I went on a trip last summer to Tequamina River up in the UP, and that was the best trip I've ever been on, best muskie outing. We fished for four days, and we didn't catch a lot of fish. We caught a couple over, what, the four days we were up there. But just the scenery, I mean, 17 miles of, of river up to the falls, like that was – just, just because of what we got to look at and, and the shoreline we it's, got to look I've at. I've done it. It's that's super cool river. Yeah. Awesome, awesome river. I'd rather do that all day. I like to than figure Castle that river more. out a little bit more. Yeah. We um like I said, we <laughs> we had a I thought it was productive. We caught three fish over four days. Not first time there, not that knowing is. it. I'm like, you know what? That's a win. We caught the first fish in the first two hours, and then yeah. <laughs> and then struggled over the course of were the they, next were they four days. Were they the spotted? Were the spot because if you were below the falls, what time of the year were you guys there? So that was end of June, and they were all the uh, oh, okay. nor- northern stream. Yeah, they were northern stream. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. because the rumor is is that. A lot of those spotted Great Lakes fish go up that tributary to spawn. Oh, okay. Hmm. So, and Schaefer and I actually did an episode. We caught one small natural, um, but uh, again, it was, uh, that's the rumor, man. And it makes sense because like on the Bay of Green Bay, um, every single tributary that dumps into the bay um, has, there's muskies in there in the spring. Mm. They're going up the rivers to spawn. So, are they naturally reproducing? So we tried in Green it. Bay? We didn't do well. What's that? Are they naturally reproducing in Green Bay? Or are they still stocking Green Bay? You know, the the thing is, is is something to keep in mind is when they say that there's no natural reproduction, they don't really mean that. They just mean that it's it, it's not enough to sustain a fishable population. Right, right. Okay, because I believe that nature is always going to find a way. Now, is it going to mass produce them like they're doing by raising them? No, but you got to remember in the Great Lakes since the beginning of time, there's always been muskies in there, right. always. Yeah. So, you know, so they've been there ever since. It's just not a fishable population. And what I see is because I fish it a lot, and I've I've seen this, and I've seen it up in um, Dor or uh, Duluth area as well. Um, I was filming a show there on a river, and uh, the only place that they stocked fish was in the St. Louis River, and we we're up on the Amacon River, which is a hell of a ways. And I caught a spotted muskie, and uh, with no no fin clip, so that. You know, it's 36 inches, 37 inches, but that tells you right there because they fin clip all their fish that that was a natural reproductive fish. So I do believe that there's always some reproduction going on. Um, it's just not in a fishable population. And you're a biologist. You would you would know about this. I mean, do you agree with what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you're right, Mike. Like you said, um, when we talk about natural reproduction, oftentimes it's linked to uh, naturally can the population of fish sustain itself without stocking. And so my coverage area overlaps with the majority of the thumb of Michigan and some of the stocking events that go on in the different harbors between Lexington and Port Austin. Um, For instance, we stock steelhead and there's a lot of small creeks and streams that drain into Lake Huron. And I would never say that there's no steelhead or or rainbow trout that um, 
are born and migrate out of those streams. It's just a matter of there's not enough of them to create a reliable fishery. And so, right. like you said, that that one fish that you caught over um, uh, up in the Duluth area is probably one of those few recruits that did make it. But again, it's just not um, enough production to sustain any sort of um, effort or harvest. And so that's a lot of times why objectives are set that revolve around stocking strategies. Right. Man, the shit you learn when you talk to Mike. Yeah, yeah no yeah. kidding. We've learned a lot already. <laughs> this episode is so, going to be speaking, a coaster. So speaking of the, the, the like streams and tributaries, my all-time favorite episode is Trout-Style Muskies. Can you, uh, I mean, dude, that was just a, the coolest episode. Like, you're just in uh, a creek that's, like, six feet wide in your waders. Like, can you, like, just kind of go through that that episode and kind of what was what was going through your head when you, like, someone told you that there was actually musky in these little tiny-ass creeks? So it's, it's actually pretty funny because I live right on the Wisconsin River. I mean, like, two houses or two houses down from my where I live is the river and it's a known place for shore fishermen. And, um, so a buddy or a guy that I knew acquaintance up the road was a diehard trout guy. And, uh, so the walleyes were running and he was down fishing and I'm doing some yard work or whatever. And he comes walking by, he's got a rod in his hand and he goes, Hey Mike, he goes, what do you know about muskies in the 10 mile? And I says, I don't know why. And he says, well, I was trout fishing there. And he says, I throw my fly out. And he says, I catch a beautiful, beautiful trout. I'm bringing it in. This goddamn muskie comes up and freaking <laughs> eats it. And he says, and I go, what? And he goes, I says, in the 10 mile? And he goes, yeah. And I says, well, okay, where exactly were you? And he tells me about where he was. And I was like, I called up my son-in-law and I said to him, I says, Hey, I says, uh, you want to go hit the 10 mile? And he goes for what trout. And I, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm in musky and he's like trout. And I was like, no. And I said for musky, he says, well, how do you figure they're in there? I says, I don't know if they're in there. I said, but you don't know if you don't go. Right. I said, so let's just go. So we put on our stuff. We hiked in and uh, got to a, a bend in the river that just looked good, deep, deep, you know, outside bend, and uh, had a little bucktail, black and orange, threw it in, and I didn't get five cranks onto it, and a 43-incher comes up and just smokes it. And I'm like, I looked at him, and I was like, oh, my God, they're in here, <laughs> you know? So then we ended up, I, I forget how many we ended up catching, but... I called them Brian Schaefer at the time, and I was like, dude, I'm on something crazy here, dude. And he's like, well, do you want me to come down? And he said, I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, what are we doing? I said, you're going to need a spinning rod. I says, and you're going to put 30-pound braid on it, and we're going to do a, a leader, a metal leader on it, a light metal leader on it, and uh, bring waders. So we were taking little husky jerks, and we would just let the current take it, and then we would just twitch that that little husky jerk in the water, and uh, he tied into one over fifty inches, yeah. if fifty if not over fifty. Yeah. So that and, was, that was uh, my he, next question: was the the fish at the end of that episode like how big was it? Because it was hard to see on the film. Huge. I mean, yeah, it, it looked was, huge. 
It was it was a monster. And the craziest thing about all of it is, okay, so like from the Wisconsin River to where we were, as straight as the crow flies, it was nine miles. Now think about a bending crick that just goes, we're now adding maybe a hundred miles. You know what I mean? This thing winds like you wouldn't believe. So if they're nine miles up, it was crazy how far these fish were cruising in this skinny water to get into these holes. And to the point to where that episode probably killed me because the DNR came in, they put a dam there now so the muskies can't go up because it is a class a trout crack and they wanted to prevent all the you know muskies going up and eating their trout but it just happened to work out and uh yeah i was so mad at brian at the time because i was like dude what 50 inch fish why would you not just jump in oh right and fight that fish you know what i mean i would have been in the water fishing you know He's like, I didn't know how deep it was there. Why? I said, really? We're in a creek, dude. How deep can it be there? Kick you your know? legs, man. You can swim. So, well, well, he even says in the yeah, episode right. that he, that he it thinks was, it's like above his waders. And I'm like, I wouldn't give a shit. I wouldn't care how tall no. the water is. I don't care if it's like up to my chest. I'm going to get this fish. Oh, oh, exactly. Man. And not only that, you, it would have made some really cool video. Yeah. So, so I would sacrifice him for some video. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Oh, man. If you guys haven't watched that yet, just, I think it was 2014 season. Um, yeah. And it's a, a trout style muskie. It's my I'm gonna go all right. time. I know I've seen it. I, right I know I sent it, it to you because I think, man, I want to say that's like one of the first episodes I saw. Like I, somebody posted on social media or. I don't know, something like that. And I, that's when I got into Keys. I think it was right around that time. It was right when that episode aired. So. Cue up the TV after we're done, Bob. We'll all sit around the campfire and watch it. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, it's just the coolest. And that's like the, that right there, that episode alone is why I love Keys' show so much. Because he's not even in a boat. He's in waders in the middle of nowhere in this creek that's got to be in in parts six feet wide you know it's just yeah that and he just told us that he would sacrifice a man for that fish so yes. I mean, and some video for the, for the cause that's why we cause. like you 100 <laughs> percent. oh man sorry brian <laughs> all right so i gotta know where did slime time come from that's one of your like famous well, sayings it is it is and you know it, it's actually pretty deep um in fact, the episode I'm working on right now, I was telling you guys earlier that I'm doing an episode with Steve Jensen. We haven't fished in 10 years. And Eric Jensen, his brother, is the one who came up with it. And uh, so he would catch a fish, and uh, he would take the slime and rub it on his goat, and he would go, slime time, baby. <laughs> and uh, he has passed away. So that was my... Because he got me into the whole world of musky fishing. So that's my tribute to him. And it kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I mean, it's become a big saying, but now I'm seeing it on hats. I'm seeing it. And it's like, I don't care where you put it. And I don't care if you use it. Just know why it's there. And that is in tribute to one of the greatest musky fishermen I know is Eric Jensen. Mm-hmm. 
That's cool. It is pretty deep. Yeah, for I sure. Know, I know Bob and I say it like we say it when we catch pike. <laughs> Even slime, time, yeah. slime time, but I we definitely it. say it every time we catch a muskie. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and which is cool. I love it. You know what I mean. But I want people to know, and we talk about it in this episode because I end up catching a really nice fish. I do the slime time, and I say, Stevie, come up here to the front of the boat. Where did let's tell the folks where slime camp time came from. And it was from his brother, so it's in tribute. And Stevie does the same thing, you know what I mean? And us guys that basically were there from the beginning with Keys Outdoors uh, in our musky, you know, hunting stuff, um, we all know what it means. And it's just, hey, hey, dude, we're still doing this because of you, you know? Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. All right, so another episode I kind of want to talk about is, so the one with... Uh, from 2016 with uh, Spencer Berman. So we just had Spencer on a couple weeks ago. So I know you you spent a lot of time with Spencer. So and then you kind of told us before we got rolling here, uh, I guess a little backstory about Spencer. Uh, do you want to spend a quick second and kind of re- retell that of like how you got to know Spencer and uh, I guess some of your your time with him before we get into that episode? Yeah, I. I uh, I knew Spencer when he first got into the industry through the PMTT. He was fishing tournament trail, and then he became a guy. He was young. He was going to college in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which is like a 20 minutes from my house. And so I got to know him as a young man and uh, very proud of, you know, where he's gone with his career, and he is a hell of a fisherman. And, uh, you know, so when you, you – Prior to them, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, exactly who did, but Spencer was definitely one of them that went over there to St. Clair, and he was the first to really introduce those fish to a pull-pause, stop-go presentation. Because think about it, St. Clair, prior to that, there wasn't a lot of guys casting, if any. It was a trolling body of water. That's what it was known for. That's what it did. And then Spencer went over there and started, you know, started doing the, you know, the casting for him and really exploded that whole scene over there with that. And Spencer and a couple of guys over there were like the first guys doing it. And so I always tip my hat where my hat needs to be tipped. And them guys are definitely, you know, the guys who pioneered that and put that place on the map. And because of it, they... You know, there there was a weird thing going on. There was a, a bunch of things going on with the fishery at that time. Um, and I think, and, and Spencer summed it up best to me because we talked about it on film. And he said, you know, that VHS, I believe it was, came in, wiped off a big chunk of the fish. And then it came, you know, like for three years. And basically what you're left with is the strongest that survived. And so then there was less fish, um, and so they had more eating opportunity because there's less to com- you know less competition, and it started putting out big fish. And really, when you look at it, it's at that time frame is when a lot of really big fish started getting pumped out of that system. Yeah, and so it was prime time, and he was like, "Dude, I am on a bite here that." You know, nobody's doing um, a handful of us, and it's all people that he hung with are doing. And why don't you come out? And so Brad Rue, um, which is a sponsor, Musky Innovations, um, you know, because he was catching a lot of rubber. 
we went out there and filmed it. And um, I think the first it was the first time I went out there was just Spencer and I, and we fished four days, four eight hour days, and we ended up with forty nine fish Jesus between Christ. the two of us. Jeez. God. Yeah, I mean, like I could have done like you know, I, I Keys Outdoors has been known to do like episode one, part one, part two. I could have done. I could have done pretty much half a season, you know what I mean? You know, St. Clair, part 10, tune in this week. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was stupid. Like, have, I wasted fish. Have you ever like, caught, just like, any musky like that before? Have you ever caught anything like that before, like that quantity of musky? I have. I And I have. Like, my best day ever filming was 14 muskies in one day. Um, and... But again, we were soaking suckers too. So there was a couple fish yeah. that were taken on live, live bait presentation. Um, 14. And then uh, Spencer ended up breaking that. And my record was like 19 in one day. Um, Spencer, St. Clair ended up breaking that. And then it was 14, Wisconsin River. And then I had a 10 fish day on Mille Lacs back in the heyday wow. uh, when Mille Lacs in Minnesota was on fire. I just want one, so one of those days. Just one. Yeah, I'll take I'll take half of that day. I just want one of those fish. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, and it, like I said, we were scheduled to film five days. We ended up filming four days because Spencer something came up to where he had to go do a seminar or something, and so we took a day off, and and it was like incredible. So then, speaking of that fish, it was two years later because one of the things that I don't want to do with Keys Outdoors is I don't want to be that show that how many shows can I shoot on Lake of the Woods? Is it's like you know what I yep. mean? It, seen it, been there, done that. Don't want to do it no more. Sorry, right. you know what I mean. No matter how great it is, it to me it's about you know getting out. And so I I tell people that like I told Spencer, I said, dude, I'll come back out, but it's going to be a couple years. I said, I don't want to be that guy going back to the same well. And you know what I mean? Yep. And even with Green Bay, there's certain areas where I could just go and get a show. Boom, we're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I like to expand out. When I say Green Bay, it's a freaking ocean. When yeah. you say St. Clair, it's an ocean. You know what I mean? A small sea. It's They're huge. And so that's one of the things that... Uh, I said, so we planned it to where I went out there. It was in November when all the the um, um, shad are moving into the river shipping channel um, and making their way for, their, you know, the migrant or just moving into the deeper water and migrating up the river system, Detroit River, or down it and uh, up it, down it, whatever they do. And we were just in there fishing the breaks and uh, – just hammering them. So we went out and I actually did a, I'm going to shut this off here, guys. Sorry about that. Um, so he was like, let's work those breaks. So we went off those breaks and uh, it was uh, incredible, man. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so we had Brad Rue, we had um, Spencer, and we had Dave Brown and myself. And so Dave and I would take turns rotating because we wanted to keep a guy on a camera at all times. Yep. So I would get up, I would fish for 45 minutes an hour. Dave would sit down. 
and we're rotating back and forth and well it's my time up so dave makes one more cast boom does it comes back says you're up boom i get up there make my first cast so that would have been this next cast i hook into that absolute oh giant <laughs> what are the I odds just of that? Go, oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, that thing was but, like, yeah. one of the biggest muskie I've ever seen. Like it was, what was it, 54? It was 54 with a 27 and a half inch girth. Yeah, God. it was a pig. It was Just a, probably It a, was incredible. What, and like yeah. two of my biggest fish, you would think that these big fish would just like hammer you. Like both of my biggest fish, and that's one of them, is uh, both times they just come up behind the lure and just suck it in yeah. gentle. Yeah. And you're like, okay, my lure is gone, you know? <laughs> and that's what it was. I was working that pounder back and I watched this fish come off the bottom and it went right behind my dog and just gently opened up his mouth. And I watched a pounder go down his throat. Jesus. And I was like, Oh my God. And at that moment, Brad Rue was fishing right next to me. He goes, dude, that fish just ate your lure. <laughs> And I, <laughs> I set the hook, and it was oh my god! Yeah. It was uh, it was incredible. What are your thoughts when it uh, when it belly rolled over the net? Oh, that, that, that net job you know, was uh, was not not that it was a bad net job, but it was just like Spencer netted it. Yeah, but he even said like in the episode they were like everybody's holding their breath. Like I'm holding my breath watching it, and I've seen it before. But I'm holding my breath, like watching it. And I'm like, oh my god! It's like watching a football game. You're just like you're getting up, like get, get, yeah. get on this fish, get on. <laughs> Spencer, net the goddamn yeah, thing. <laughs> and then the reason why we were holding our breath, and at that time I was using a different reel company. Um, the button would not. I, I thumb everything, and so I'm trying to push the thumb down to you know give it drag, and the fuck. You know, it's it's winter time, and the thumb locked up, and I was like, "Oh my god, dude! You know, I'm going to lose this fish." And for some stupid reason, I decided to wear like mittens. I never wear mittens, <laughs> you know. So it was just a bad combination. So it was really good when you think about it that Spencer pulled it away, and then I got it turned around. And then he went back in after it. But yeah, our hearts were. I didn't realize how how heavy that fish was until like, when you grab them, you know, you got a big fish and it's like, dude, like my head can fit in its mouth. Yeah. You I mean, know, you got a big fish. The head was massive on that thing. Like oh, it God. was just a monster beast. Was that your personal best or do you have another one that tops that? No, I've got one that tops that I I've got a 55 oh, um, out of Minnesota that, that top that um, weight wise, pretty much both similar and weight and girth um, on it. Uh, and that was, again, a November fish um, that I got on a bucktail. And there again, you know, bucktail. Who throws bucktails in 40-degree waters? You know, it's right. just and So we were raising fish. We couldn't get them to go on what all of us were throwing. And finally, I was just like, dude, I got to try something different. <laughs> and we knew where that fish was. We had her up the night before. So we went back to the resort that night came back first light on her and I said, I'm just going to slow roll blades right down. So I let it sink on the bottom. And then I just started slowly, just as slow as I could go, just to get those blades turning. 
And I watched that fish just shoot up out of some rocks and went right up to it. And again, gone. The bucktail just sucked right in, just gone. Wow. God. Man, let's, I got to go muskie fishing. Let's go. Let's go down <laughs> south or somewhere. It's, it's supposed to be warm enough tomorrow. We could probably go tomorrow. Well, we don't yeah, even yeah, have I, ice I, on St. I bet Clair. you there's no ice. We can probably get out. Yeah, we could. Let's go. It's open all year. We have a year-round season. <laughs> it is, yeah. You get me fired yeah. up. Between Spencer's episode a couple weeks ago and then now this, like, I'm full musky mode. Yeah, we've been talking a lot of fishing, and that's all we want to do is just go fishing now. Well, we were going to talk ice fishing, it's and then fun, in, in Michigan, they just, you know, we were, I guess we're not going to get any ice this year. Yeah, we so. were supposed to go ice fishing, and that doesn't look like it's happening either. Yeah. So. <laughs> I got so yeah, many Yeah, no, it's, it's, been terrible over, it's been terrible over here, here too, man. Uh, ice conditions are really bad here. Yeah. I'm wondering what the, uh, like, spring ice out is going to look like. I mean, yeah. if we even have ice or we don't even have an ice ice out, what's the spawn going to look like this right. year? Goofy, but... I got so many lures from that fishing show. I'm I'm also just dying to get out there. And go, man. <laughs> just, all right, so we we've talked a, a couple of controversial topics off air. Let's talk about one on air. So PMTT. So I know you've uh, you fished it for years. Um, I kind of want to get your opinion on uh, the panoptics kind of issue that happened last year. Since you you fished the PMTT. Um, for a while, like what, what are you, what were your thoughts when you heard that um, the whole panoptics were those? Um, I don't remember the guys' names, but they caught like eight fish using panoptics, and then um, they went and they kind of banned it for the rest of the year, which was yeah. uh, You know, we, we talked about it with Spencer. We kind of got his opinion, but um, you've obviously fished that a whole lot more, and I just kind of wanted to get your 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 thoughts on what happened. Well, you know, I mean. It should have probably never been allowed. Um, and listen, I don't, this again, you know, we, we talked off, off, uh, you know, off record before. Um, and I don't like to get too poly, you know, political on things, but this is all I can say. And I think that this will sum up how I believe and what I believe. We had the conversation earlier in this conversation about what I love about musky fishing. It only lasts two minutes to catch or a minute, right? It's everything that leads up to it. What I'm afraid of is this. You're going to raise a generation of young anglers that are going to have no concept of why that fish is there, what it's doing there, nothing about its habits, not really understanding, you know, um, about that fish, and so that's what I worry about is because to be a good muskie angler, you have to be a good, you have to be a biologist. You've got to be all these things, you know, you've got to know, okay, what, what it's the puzzle that really is the whole thing. It's really a mind game and mind games are good for the human soul. It gets you thinking, it makes you, but now you've got a machine that says, well, why did you catch that fish? Well, because the machine told me it was, it was there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it was there. I had no reason why. I you know what I mean? Yep, and I'm afraid there. that we're gonna lose we're gonna lose that. You know yeah. what I mean? Um you know, again, I don't care how you catch fish, you know what I mean? But you know, I you know, I mean there, there's reasons why things are outlawed, you know what I mean? Can you kill deer with a shining light? Yeah. But it's illegal, yep. you know what I mean? Because it's easy, yep. right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, I, me personally, if you want to use it, go ahead, knock yourself out. 
I like challenge. I want to figure them out on my own. I don't need no, I don't need no stinking machine telling me what to do. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm going to figure it out myself. Yeah. And so, and I just hope we don't lose that on a young generation of kids coming up in the sport. Um, I think that it, they owe the fish the appreciation of why I'm fishing for you is because I want to know everything about you and I need to know everything about you to catch you. And that is the chess part of the game. Yep. It's a really good outlook. Yeah. I I like that a lot. That's honestly exactly how I thought you'd answer that, that question. But I, um, yeah, I mean, you're right though. That's some, that kind of summed it up and just, just perfectly. I I sent, I sent to you today, Dan, I sent him a, a video of a guy using, the hummingbird um, forward-facing sonar. Oh, yeah. And he's showing, like, he, he literally there's, there's a crappie or a bass or something like that right in front of his boat, and he just casts out there, and it, like, the you see the lure on the screen drop right to the fish. He twitches it, like, twice, and the fish hits it, yep. and he just pulls it. Like, it's a freaking video game. Like, what skill is there into finding that fish, making that fish? Like, he just knew exactly where it was. Yeah. Well, cast and, right in front of his face. And muskie are obviously much larger than a crappie, so oh, yeah. how much more pronounced is that on that, yeah. you know, that panoptic yeah for sure nice well and the thing the thing with that is is that one thing i do know people that do fish with it and um you know so a buddy of mine's friend got one and they were vacationing and it was 90 degrees out and he's like dude i'm gonna dive down underneath the boat and you tell me if you can see me and stuff like that so he dives out gets in there he said that he instantly got a headache because there's 16 transducers in that, okay? Mm-hmm. People don't understand. I A lot of our B-roll on Keys, Out, Keys Outdoors are, are like bait fish. I, I snorkel for all that. I enjoy. I put fins on. I go out with the underwater camera, and I get all kinds of B-roll footage because <laughs> I love seeing them in their habitat. But you would not believe how noisy it is underwater. <laughs> And if you're playing with these fish's lateral line, and we're seeing it now to where these fish are going to get educated to it, you know what I mean? Listen, a coyote is only going to stick its foot in a trap so many times. You know what I mean? And they do get educated. I've seen this up on Lake Vermilion with big bladed bucktails. And you've got some of the world's best fishing guides up there constantly pounding the water Next thing you know, where fish were easy to catch, now they're coming in on your lure, but they're not committing. They're checking out to see if, you know what I mean? So even though their brain is as big as a pea, Mother Nature is only going to let them F up so many times. And they become educated. Even a fish becomes educated. And guys are telling me now that they're seeing fish um, when they put their their, uh, sonar down there, their whatever, and optics that it's literally the fish will the the bait fish will actually move away from it. <laughs> and when my buddy went down underwater and got an instant headache, he said it was the most obnoxious loud thing that he's ever heard. <laughs> so I'm hoping that Mother Nature will combat that because if not, unless those fish go into the weeds, there's no freaking place for them to hide. No. And then you just get on a fish and you ride them until it wants to eat. And what I'm afraid of is you get into this open water and you see a fish that's 30 feet down. And you can't tell me that you're not going to throw at it if you know it's there. Now you hook it in cold water and it's not, and you bring it up to the surface 
your mortality rate is going to be high. And I don't care what anybody says. You know what I mean? So there's just a lot of bad things about it. And I get it as an educational tool. It would be badass to just drive around and learn all you could about the fish. Um, But as far as competing with it, um, no, I, I don't think that there's a place for it in that. And if you want to do that, then start a tournament trail that allows that. And then you pick as an individual what you want to fish. I like it. That's the first I've heard of, um, you know, the transducers and all the noise that it yeah, does. Like, same here. I I mean, I've, it, it I've makes sense, it. but I've, it's the first I've, I've actually heard of it. Yeah, it makes sense, though. Like, yeah, even it gives it. It's a wide cone, and it, it, you know what I mean? To do what it's doing, it's shooting off in all kinds of directions. And you can't tell me that, you know, those fish are so sensitive. You know, think about it. I can catch a fish in pitch dark water, slow rolling blades because of its lateral line. It can feel that vibration coming. And so imagine how this thing, it's like, you know, you can hear like a uh, battery operated something, but now you've got a diesel motor. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, the comparison, they're very loud. And I think that, you know, I think that the fish are going to get educated and smart to it after a while. I hope they do. Because if not, we're in a world of hurt. Well, I like it. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Even your, like your normal sonar and side scan and stuff like that, they'll make like a. Uh, yeah. A certain sound in the water. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm I shutting it off from now on. I ain't using any of it. Well, I guess that screws any uh, sponsorship for side imaging for me, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hummingbird and Lorance—they're not going to sponsor thanks, us guys. either. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey you're, you're assuming that any of those sponsors are going to listen to us. You're good. You're good, Mike. Yeah, yeah, you're good. <laughs> hey, we got Mike Keys on here. You just never know. Yeah, you never yeah. know. They're all going to listen to check in on you. So. All right, so enough of the controversial topics. We've talked enough. Let's have uh, let's let's talk a little bit of fun as we as we kind of close this out. So, so Mike, I gave you kind of a heads up about uh, we like to tell terrible stories where where stuff goes wrong. Um, you just had a great one in last week's episode or this week's episode, actually. Um, so you got to have some terrible stories over your your long career of where where things didn't go right. I do actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have many, to be honest with you. Well, I guess but if you got a couple, let's, a let's share one. share a share a one or two or whatever you got. If you got some good ones. All right. So back in the day when I first started, I was doing multi-species and I was going to Saskatchewan, Canada, a lot for bear hunting. That's how you know we got this whole thing going, basically. And uh, so I went up with uh, eight guys because I knew the outfitter up there. And uh, he would give me a free hunt if I brought X amount of guys. So I would go up there and we would get a bunch of us and we'd go up. So we're standing at the border in Canada and a lady comes up from uh, the Canadian Border Patrol. And she says, uh, she's got everybody's uh, photo ID. And she says, my keys here. And I says, yeah, that's me. She goes, will you in the back with me well you know eight guys are all because she's good looking everybody oh yeah you know <laughs> guys being freaking stupid 12 year olds you know what i mean classic and, you know, <laughs> so i go in back with her sit down in her office she shuts the door and she says uh, she goes so where are you going you know tell the whole story what we're doing where we're going who we're going to be with all this 
She goes, let me ask you a question. And I says, yeah, what's that? She goes, have you ever been arrested? And I says, no. And she goes, okay. Talks a little bit more, comes back, circles back around, says, so you've never been arrested? I says, no. And she goes, well, would you stand up, turn around? I'm placing you under arrest by the Canadian Mounted Police for lying to a Border Patrol agent. Here when I was 18 years old, the night of my 18th birthday, I got into a bar fight. And I got hauled to jail that night. And it showed up on in the States as a misdemeanor. And because Canada can go back to Class C felonies, or not felonies, but events, that's what she got me on. So now I got seven guys watch me walk out of the office. Ten minutes ago, they were like, ooh, yeah, yeah. They're like, what the? He's in handcuffs. What's going on here? They take me, this is a Sunday, they drive me 20 miles into, from Pinbine, Nebraska, in uh, or North uh, Dakota, into Canada. It's a Sunday night. I'm having a court hearing, obviously, on a Sunday night, and a judge, a magistrate, comes in, he's wearing shorts, he's got grass clippings <laughs> all over, he just got done cutting his grass, and I'm having a trial. <laughs> so he says, Mr. Keys, how do you plead? And I said, guilty. You know, I, obviously, I didn't know, you know what I mean, that a classy, you know, disorderly conduct was going to be worth this. And uh, had to pay $800. They drove me back to the border and kicked me out of Canada. And so <laughs> the guys are like, the, guy, the guys that I'm with are like, Mike, what, what? What are we going to do? I says, dude, you guys paid for your hunts. You got to go. You got to go, man. Al's waiting for you guys. You guys got to go. Don't let me hold you up. And they're like, dude, what are you going to do? They just freaking leave you in pin by, you know, North Dakota. And I says, dude, I've hitchhiked to Alaska. I think I'll be just fine, dude. And uh, I ended up hitchhiking down to Devil's Lake, North Dakota, hooked up with a buddy of mine. And we ended up going fishing for those days while those guys were up there. Then they picked me up on the way back through. But to that point, I have never stepped foot in Canada again, and I never will. Wow. It's like it's like a misdemeanor. When I was 18 years old, it was a bar fight, and I got hauled away to jail that night. So did the other guy. But we were let out the next day. So it don't even show up. It's nothing here in the States. But they went back, and really what it was is they wanted my money. Mm. And they got my money. I had to pay $800 to the judge to get back over on the U.S. side. And so that's why people like, Mike, why don't you do anything in Canada anymore? And it's like, you know, don't need it. I don't need it, and I don't want it. It's yeah. You just never know what you're going to get out there. Yeah. So that's kind of a burning question. That, so that I was have. a terrible story because you, <laughs> you know you feel lonely when the car goes into Canada and you're now going, okay, yeah, I gotta yeah. figure out how to get down to Devil's Lake that is, that with is, a backpack full of camera gear and yeah, clothing. Yeah. So the burning question that I have: uh, Did you win the bar fight? <laughs> 
Yeah, I did. Okay, good. good. That's all I meant. Even yeah, if you didn't, I'm glad you really told us you did. Really at all, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Canadians are too nice to fight, you know? They're just like, hey, hey, don't you know your hose are? And then you're just... I also got into a bar you fight. You know what? It was probably Windsor. something so freaking stupid, too. That was the thing. Yeah. I think we were fighting over chickens. Who was going to fight over chickens, for God's sakes? Oh, man, I would have loved to have been a fly on a wall in that bar fight. Oh, oh man, no joke. Oh, man. That's funny. That's pretty good. That was, that was, was a good, good one. You took the last little bats, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only why. Only why. Don't you know? All of our Canadian listeners are going to be like, No, never been back. Yourself. True story, dude. Wow. Won't go back. That's crazy. And people yeah. have offered, resorts have offered to pay, like, you know, because you know how it is. And I'm sure yeah. that now maybe I could. I've never checked into it, but I've had a couple resorts say, hey, we'll get the lawyer and get you to come up and film. And I'm like, no, nah, F that, dude. Yeah. Don't need it. Yeah, those There's damn... just as big a fish here, and there's a lot of places to go in America, dude. Those damn Canucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, we love a good controversy. It's like That's no matter sure. what we talk about this episode, we're 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 in the controversy. <laughs> yeah, right. We can't get away from it. Bob, like, Bob three years, a lot of stuff happens, man. Oh, I know. Bob is just enjoying the shit out of this episode. <laughs> Best episode yet. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think we should talk about aliens next. Oh my god. Staircases staircase in the woods. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about staircases in the woods. Oh boy. Oh man. Well, this has been fun, Mike. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I appreciate it. Um, do you want to take a, a quick second and just call out any, I guess, any sponsors or your social media or uh, talk about the KO? Yeah, you know, if you want to talk about KOTV, too. We didn't really – I meant to get into that earlier, but if you want to get into um, the, the KOTV and, and kind of explain what, what that is. Again, you know, um, KOTV is uh, something that we launched a year and a half ago. It's a streaming outdoor channel, Upper Midwest Shows. It's a free app to the public. It's on all Roku devices. Um, and you can go online at www.kotvchannel.com. And uh, what we wanted to do there is, again, you know, with uh, all of the subscription rates and everything going up for people um, – we didn't think that TV should, you know, to watch fishing and hunting shows, you shouldn't have to pay money to do that. And uh, so, yeah, you've got YouTube, but the problem with YouTube is that it's very fragmented. If people want to watch me, they got to come to me. If they want to watch Larry Smith, they got to go to Larry Smith on YouTube. We took all of those platforms and put them all in one place. So all you got to do is go to our streaming channel, and we've got video on demand. So if you want to binge watch uh sportsman's journal or one of the shows that are on there you can binge watch them or if you want to watch live tv you can watch the live tv um and it runs like old it smells tastes and feels just like old tv you have a half an hour show commercial break half an hour show you can stream it if you got a bar or anything like that you want some good outdoor free um tv and when watching it's there so that's uh KOTV, we would we would love if our viewers would go there versus uh, Google um, because what YouTube is doing again, you know uh, what YouTube is doing to these creators is terrible. We make four cents on every dollar that we generate for them, mm. and so it's uh, it's not it's not good, and you know so. 
that's why we did KOTV is we just want people, if you want to watch the outdoors, go, it's free. And you don't have those annoying banner ads jumping up, trying to sell you stuff all the time. Oh, my God. I, I was watching an episode last night, and it was I think there was like eight YouTube ads in just one episode. It was it's like, terrible, yeah. Jesus, this is this is terrible. So, like, I've got a Roku device on, on order. <laughs> yeah, and they're cheap. I mean, you yeah, can buy yeah. them I, for under 30 bucks or something like yeah. that. And, or if you've got a computer, just go to a kotvchannel.com and you can watch there for free on your computer or and i've taken the app and i put it on my phone so i can watch it on my phone and it's uh i think we've got it's it's hunting it's upper midwest hunting and fishing shows so you're not going to see you know guys down in guatemala fishing whatever you know what i mean it's going to be local up you know northern uh part of the united states um that we want to promote Nice. I mean, I want to list. I want to watch people catching, you know, redfish down in Guatemala, right? <laughs> catching some yeah. kind of to- toothless snapper. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm good on that. I'm good. Did you say, did you say toothless snapper? <laughs> whatever. You know, whatever, whatever they're into. You know. Jesus. Oh, I kind of like the ring of that myself. What <laughs> channel is that on? <laughs> <laughs> is that on KOTV? Yeah, Sign me up. <laughs> wrong wrong I think website. That it should, I think that it should be. Wrong website. I spelled it wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's, uh, there right. goes our one what listener. Toothless Snapper. Tune in. Welcome to Toothless Snapper on this week's show. That's what we should name this episode. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh. Toothless Snapper with Keys Outdoors. Every every episode, there's a moment where it gets derailed, and this is that moment. Hey, I mean, at least this time yeah. it took us an hour and fifteen minutes. Hey, we're getting better. We yeah. get to, we wait till the end of the episode. So, right. yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna, yeah. Like I said, I've got a Roku device on order, and uh, I can't wait to because I generally watch them on YouTube. I just I can't handle the damn ads. It's and now and now knowing yeah. the um. I guess the four cents on every dollar. Um, we haven't really messed with YouTube much. I don't know if I want Tur- to. Honestly. Turns us I've, away I've, now. I've just heard nothing but bad stuff about YouTube. Yeah. Like that's that's why I haven't really done much. Um, I've listened to other podcasts like Joe Rogan. Like man, he bashes <laughs> YouTube to hell. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we won't. But now that knowing that, like I, I'm just gonna watch it on Roku. I guess it's a lot oh. easier. So well, it's you know, and again, you know, it's it's one of those things where I mean, we we do a good number. We have good, great numbers on YouTube, um, and we don't want to discourage anybody from following us. But you know, if you had a choice between a huge, well, Google who owns them, or uh, Mike Key, he's a little guy who likes to, you know, slime, uh, put slime on his beard type guy. <laughs> I, the choice is easy. You're going to go yep. with the guy with the slime on his beard every time, and so <laughs> every time. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Derailed again. <laughs> oh my God. Um so so Mike, you're you're obviously on social media. Um I'll I'll go ahead and tag all your social medias in the, the bio to this, but um do you want to call out any any of your sponsors or anything like that while you're here? You know, all of them are great sponsors and, and I've been very blessed that way. Um to have companies that I've worked with for all these years and uh 
again, you know, without them, it wouldn't be possible. And I know sometimes when we run, you know, uh, Keys Outdoors, I mean, the typical TV format has always been three commercial breaks and a half an hour show. We've done one and eliminated the rest. And we just bring up small little tags, call to action on the product that we're using to give more content to our show. But at the end of the day, and, and people still beat us up on it, well, you know, you're selling this. They, you got to realize at some point, somebody's got to pay for all this. Yep. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's like we, we believe in the companies that we deal with. And I think that we wear that on our, our sleeve and uh, we will continue to do that. So we hope that if you guys are getting something, the viewers are getting something out of it, just let our sponsors know that you appreciate it because without them, it costs them. This is not, this stuff costs a lot of money to do. And uh, so they, they're the ones that are flipping the bill on it for a lot of people's entertainment and learning. I've always felt that in a TV, you know, people say, well, Mike, what do you do for a living? Are you in the TV, you know, are fishing? And I tell them right in, the first thing I'm in, I'm in the entertainment business. If I don't entertain you for a half an hour, you're I'm gone that quick with a click. If I bore you for, you know, especially nowadays, everybody's ADD, everybody wants this. So you've got to, I'm in the entertainment business. The second thing I'm in is, is my avenue for that is fishing. So those are the things that I feel that to be successful in any type of video. And the third thing is, is what do you want to do? Just watch me fish for half an hour. You want to learn something. You want to be able to, so if I can keep you entertained and you can walk away and learn something and not saying that I know everything, I don't. Like I said, there's guys that can outfish me, but I can tell you what has worked for me. That's all I can tell you is, hey, we've done this in the past and it's worked. Here's the proof. It's on video. You've captured it all. And if those are the two things that I can bring, then I've done a very successful show is to educate you and to entertain you. And that's it. Well said. Mike, well said. M- mic drop. If my mic wasn't in the stand, I'd drop the mic on you. Heard, from it. The, heard it from the man himself. <laughs> nice pun. Mic drop. Snap. Snapper. Hey, you did it again. Snapper. Jesus. Snapper. Snapper. All right. Um, yeah, so by the way, how are, how, how are you spelling that? <laughs> S C H S C H N A Snapper. It's not even Snapper. Snapper. It's a it's a Snapper. Oh my god! And this is the last time we talked to Mike Keys. Uh, well, yeah. You're always up. you're always welcome, Mike. You are. You're always but you always have a home here. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. All right. So uh, let's go uh, round table real quick. See if you got any other last comments or, or anything for Mike Jimmy's. I kind of want to tell him about the snort. Just so he knows about the snort. It'd the be snort. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess we didn't send it for him yet. No, no we, we didn't. didn't. We don't even have a snort. So, yeah. so uh, we, I guess we have like a, a goofy tradition too, Mike. So you have the slime time thing. So Bob and I started this a long time ago. Um, every time we'd catch a fish, we'd take a swig off of a bottle. Um, nice. And and uh, so, well, it started with it was like blackberry brandy, and then we realized we wanted to make it back to the dock. So <laughs> we switched it up to um, just apple pucker. Um, so, and then at some point, we called it a snort instead of like just taking a swig. We we're like, oh, we got to take a snort off the bottle. 
So now every time we catch a fish, um, usually it's when we go on a fishing trip, like not just on our normal like weekend outing to St. Clair, um, we'll take a snort off of a bottle, and everybody in the boat takes a snort off a bottle. So, and we nice. now we do it at the generally we do it at like the start of each episode or at the end of each episode. So we haven't done it in a while, actually. We haven't. We kind of sh- dropped the ball. Somebody turned sober on us here, so 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 the rule. <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a I'm on a sober journey for the next ninety days. I'm on a challenge right now. Am I the only one that keeps a party going in this yes, place? Clearly. Yes. So the Man, thing about that, lame. every time every time a fish is caught, before they take a swig off a bottle, the person who catches the fish usually oh, yeah. goes snort really yeah. loud, yeah. and then we all take a little snort. Well, we, well so. we started, we go on this trip up in northern Michigan, there's like 30 guys that go on this trip, and it's a smaller lake, so usually we're within a couple hundred yards of each other. So when somebody catches a fish, we yell it so the other boats hear that we just caught a fish. So that's where the kind of yelling of the snorts Oh, yeah, started, you'll, hear so. it, you'll hear it all night long, all, you know, <laughs> oh, all the way around the lake. Well, it's it's cool that like we nice. started it, and now like all the guys in the group do it. And yeah. I mean, we've we've had listeners send us videos of them taking a snort like around their fire. It's catching yeah. on. It is. It is, it is catching it's on. So it's not as clever well, as I'll have, time. Keep, I'll have to keep that in mind because we are talking with a whiskey company right now there you uh, go. for oh sponsorship. Is it the Kuiper? And uh, <laughs> their their bottle their bottle actually has a built in shot glass on it. Oh Ooh. my god! Wow. So and that will be in the boat. So uh, we'll have to give you guys a shout out and do the snore. Oh, Dude, oh, I would love that. That would, that would, that would be, be so cool. cool. That's kind of I was hoping it would go there. <laughs> I I would retire if that happens. Yeah. Like I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I don't need anything else in life if that happens. No, that'd, that'd be, be cool. cool. <laughs> Oh, Dan, awesome. Dan, what do you got for Mike? You know, Mike, I just want to say thank you. Um, I know it's kind of since I've came onto this podcast and been sitting here with this guy, these guys, I know that uh, one of the main things that they've always said is to kind of talk to you and have an opportunity to maybe fish with you someday and being able to sit here and talk and hear your stories and kind of listen in on all the cool adventures and stuff that you do. It really means a lot to us. So we uh, we really, really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it too, guys. I really do. Um, you know, we're, we all share the same passion and uh, we love the outdoors and we, we like to talk about it. And anytime I can do it and promote it, that's, I guess, that's what I need to do is I want people to experience the same things that I was, I've been able to experience in the outdoors. That's what it's all about. Captain Jason, what do you got for Mike? Um, this was a lot of fun. Um, hearing the stories, of course, is a good time. And then actually one thing that uh, I could relate to just a bit is I went to grad school at Stevens Point in 16 and 17. So um, nice. kind of funny to, to hear you talk about that. And one of the guys that I overlapped with, he was big into fly fishing from Idaho and he actually tied up a few musky flies and he fished at the little um, like coffer dam there in town on the yep. river. And, and he caught a muskie there on a fly that he tied and uh, got a little video of it. His wife was videotaping. And so that was pretty cool. And that happened while I was out there. So that was a lot of fun. And that's funny that I didn't realize that you lived close to Stevens Point. And then here you talk about the Wisconsin River was. Yeah, I'm, just down river. I'm just down river from Point, man. I'm in Rapids. So yeah, yep. I fish all that. There's good muskie on all the way up the Wisconsin River. Yeah. Yep. I lived in Plover when I went to school there, just right close and um, enjoyed the town, enjoyed uh, going to Point, enjoyed, um, there was, uh, I don't know if you'd ever been to the 
is it called the Corn on the Curb Festival in Point yes. over the summer? Yeah. I I actually ended up in the corn eating contest uh, <laughs> that they have. <laughs> And unfortunately, I took second place, which is the worst that you can do because you almost won. So that means that you ate nine of the ten corn cobs and lost. If you, if you ain't first, you're last. There it is. Let me let me ask you a question. What year was that? So I was there. That would have been the summer of. I can't remember if it was 16 or 17. Okay, because if it was 17, then you got defeated by Corn Bob. <laughs> okay, it might have been Corn Bob then. <laughs> he knows that's Corn Bob. What, that's what I'm thinking. Corn Bob SpongeBob. The same guy that dude. If Corn Bob is out there listening to this, I have. I'm gonna step up on my soapbox. And I'm gonna give one rant, and it, it is. That my cobs were cleaner than his. So Stop I feel like <laughs> <laughs> plot twist. Mike Keys was in the audience watching you choke on a corn kernel. At least, at least. So anyway, it was, at least it was a contest for a toothless snapper. <laughs> maybe that's just, maybe that was third place. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, hey, like hey. I said, I can't. I can't remember if it was 16 or 17 now, but regardless, yep, I'm still a little bit bitter if you can't tell. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> when you ate the corn, when you ate the corn, you went like a typewriter. Not. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. There was like a bluegrass band playing in the background, and you just kind of like worked your way along the cob oh. to the beat of the music. But, yeah, got oh. second place. I'm Unbelievable. Sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> I was like, no, man. Jesus. Oh, oh that's God. funny. You're trying to suck the kernels off. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How, like, Jason, you had to go there with this story. Oh, I'm going to pass Oh, out. my God. Oh. God. Oh All right, God. Bob, what do you got for Mike? Dude, corn on, corn on the curb, man. <laughs> <laughs> the puns. The puns are amazing. I'm, I am a dad joke fan, and and this, oh. this episode was full. I just want to say uh, thanks, Mike, for coming on, man. I've, uh, I'm a huge fan. I, um, you know, I, ever since I've been musky fishing, you know, I've been researching, and you were one of the first that I came across to, you know, on uh, YouTube and stuff like that. And uh, I've learned a, a ton from from watching your show, and uh, and uh, we just really appreciate you coming on, man. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I, I appreciate it. I like what you guys are doing. I, you know, so yeah, we got to do it again for sure. Hundred yes. percent. Um, yeah. Um, you. Sorry, I'm brain farting. Mike, did you have any <laughs> just just the distractions in this room right now? Um, before I close this out, Mike, do you have any, uh, I guess, final comments for the, the guys or the listeners? No, just uh, hang in there, uh, you know, and uh, respect the outdoors and respect everybody else on the water. And, uh, yeah, just have fun fishing, man. And, uh, you know, if you can get out and videotape what you're doing, those are memories that last forever, man. And they're not only engraved in your mind, but they're engraved on, uh, on camera, on film. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I've been able and very blessed to be able to do what I've done. And, uh, there isn't a, a day that goes by that I don't 
think about it. And, uh, you know, I, I could be digging niches right now. You know what I mean? Yep. And we're all, everything happens for a reason. And I do believe that. And, uh, yeah, it's um, looking forward to this upcoming year and hopefully keep the legacy going. Absolutely. Well, I can't, again, I can't thank you enough. Um, this is, uh, like kind of a dream come true to have you on. I kind of said it when we first started this podcast, we, I think it was one of the first five episodes, Bob and I had said, and, and even Jason, we were like bucket list guys to have on this podcast. And you were like number one on Bob and I's list. And now we can retire. Um, so this is, this is the last done. podcast for the terrible Dorsman. No, <laughs> no. Not really. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just an honor to, to talk to you. Um, and yeah, as you said, just good luck in the future. Um, we're going to continue to watch the show and, and help promote the show. So, I mean, we've been talking 47 episodes. I feel like we've talked about it every time. Um, I'm going to continue to share the post and just to, to help keep uh, getting your name out there and um, letting everybody know to, to, to give you a watch. So, um, But that's all I got, right boys. On. I appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. Um, but other than that, that's all I got, boys. Thanks again. Thanks, Captain Jason. As always, get outdoors and don't be terrible.